Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Evening. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, Hoosier fans. Uh, we're live at the Hoosier Huddle podcast today. I'm Sammy Jacobs, your host. Co-host TJ Hin- Inman will be along here shortly. We are going to preview uh, the Big Ten East uh, football. So we'll go through uh, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Maryland, uh, Rutgers, and of course, Indiana. Uh, we'll go through where we think teams will finish, uh, strengths and weaknesses of each team. And uh, we'll talk about every team uh, in the in the division, and then we'll get to tomorrow. We'll look at the Big Ten West and and those teams on the other side of the conference. Uh, right now, we bring in TJ Inman. TJ, uh, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. As always, it is a pleasure to be talking football, and I know we're both excited about uh, doing these podcasts here for the. Uh, Big Ten previews and then carrying that on nationally and really starting to uh, dig into the upcoming season. Yeah, we're 66 days away uh, from kickoff, uh, 66 days in an hour uh, since kickoff will be at 8 o'clock on ESPN against Ohio State. But let's take a look at the the Big Ten East. We'll do our predictions at at the end, TJ. But let's start with Ohio State, uh, who made the college football playoff last year comes in as heavy favorites, maybe not heavy favorites, but favorites in the Big Ten East. You know, a lot of change going on with Kevin Wilson becoming their offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, JT Barrett is back, but they lose a lot of talent at, uh, you know, at some of these skill positions, and then a lot of talent on defense in the secondary. Where do you see uh, Ohio State? Well, I think the secondary is certainly the biggest maybe cause for concern. Uh, that being said, it's really hard to worry too much about uh, about the Buckeyes. And I think mainly that's due to the lines of scrimmage. Uh, they're going to be very stout, uh, particularly on the on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that their defensive line, which uh, is going to be led by Sam Hubbard and Tyquan Lewis at the end, um, and then they also have Joey Bosa's younger brother who, um, you know, he's, I don't think the expectations are as high for him as, you know, the produce like Joey Bosa, but he doesn't have to, he's going to be a role player. Um, so those guys form a really good pass rush. And then I think kind of they're, they're beginning to get kind of an assembly line at linebacker and yes, Raekwon McMillan's gone, but you know, everybody that, writes about it or talks about it that I hear as I, you know, research Ohio State, thinks that Jerome Baker can be, you know, kind of that next man up that starts for a year and uh, then is off to the NFL and picked in the first round. Um, Secondary, I I think that there should be a little bit of a concern uh, with the safety position. You know, they're probably going to start a couple of seniors 
uh, Eric Smith and Damon Webb are probably going to start. Guys have some experience, but uh, they're not as talented as the guys that they are replacing. Uh, I don't think anybody would tell you differently. And they don't have the level of experience that offsets that. They have a little bit of playing experience, and they are older, but it's not like they're seniors that have started, you know, two seasons that are uh, going to be able to offset some of the talent deficiency with, um, you know, with that playing experience. So I, I think there's a little bit of concern there, but having an incredibly stout run defense and a really good pass rush should offset some of that. And then it's very possible that some of their, their youngsters who, I mean, they're, they're recruiting at a very high level that's stating the obvious. It's very possible that those guys uh, by the middle of the season have supplanted uh, the young or the uh, more veteran players just based on their talent. Uh, offensively, um, you know, obviously, JT Barrett back, Mike Weber back, forms a very good backfield, probably the second best backfield in the Big Ten. Uh, maybe first, depends on who you ask. Uh, but them and Penn State both right there in terms of the backfield. Uh, and then there's a lot of good options behind Mike Weber as well. I think the receivers are maybe a little bit of a concern, and especially the deep passing game a concern, because uh, Barrett's just not that good of a passer. Uh, he's fairly accurate, short to medium range. I think even when you get past about 15 yards, I think his accuracy level goes down quite a bit. Uh, we saw it really stand out in the Indiana game last year uh, that he just had a hard time getting anything going against IU secondary, and hopefully that continues for this season. But, you know, I, I do worry a little bit if I'm an Ohio State fan about kind of the the level of wide receiver that they have. Uh, they do have a lot of talent there, but is there that one – you know, number one guy, I'm not sure. I think they have a lot of number twos and threes. I don't know if they have that number one, the true go-to receiver that keeps defensive coordinators up at night. The offensive line is going to be really good. Um, Their running game is going to be outstanding. Uh, So we'll see if Kevin Wilson can get that vertical passing game going. If so, they'll be a truly elite offense. If not, they'll be just really good. Uh, And I think the defense, like I said, incredibly good up front, uh, really good at linebacker, questionable at secondary. So teams, if they can protect their quarterback, might be able to pass on them, especially near the beginning of the year while they're, you know, replacing everybody uh, that was back there a year ago. So I think they're the favorite, and a lot of that for me, you know, when you look at these predictions, you have to talk about the schedule. And, yep. and I look at their schedule, and it's, it's favorable for them. It really is. It is. They start their schedule, uh, of course, at Indiana. Uh, they play Oklahoma, who, if uh, you've been living under a rock uh, recently, Bob Stoops uh, retired, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, um, Yeah. from Oklahoma. So they'll be playing at home against Oklahoma, um, who, who's talented, but you don't know how they're going to react to the new coach and things like that. And, and, Ohio State handled them pretty easily last year in Norman. Uh, And then they play Army and UNLV at home to round out their non-conference schedule uh, at Rutgers. I mean, they're up and basically outside of Oklahoma. Their September and October is is pretty uh, easy until you get to mid-October when you're going to Nebraska. You have an open date 
And then Penn State, and these are the two teams that I think are going to be at the top of that division. Penn State comes into uh, Ohio Stadium. Penn State knocked them off last year in a very sloppy game, special teams-wise, for Ohio State. And you'll know that Urban and that crowd would want a a revenge. It it cost them a Big Ten title, and uh, you know they want to get that crown back, get back to the playoff. And then, of course, at the end of the year, they have to go up to Michigan. But right now – with the last two years with Michigan and Ohio State, Ohio State just owns Michigan. And until they can prove themselves, I'm still going to, you know, put put my money, so to speak, on Ohio State, even though that game's going to be up at the big house. But let's take a look at Penn State. Uh, TJ, this is a team that I think is – you know, if that game against Ohio State was at a neutral site, I'd probably pick them to win uh, the Big Ten East. Uh, the games at Ohio State, it's just very difficult to win there. But they have probably the best quarterback-running back combination in the Big Ten in Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley. Both of them could be Heisman candidates uh, at the end of the year. Even the beginning of the year, their, their names are going to be in the conversation. Um, will they win it? Uh, probably. I don't know. It's tough with two teammates that good. They're going to steal votes from each other, but they're as good as advertised. Vic Sorley throws a great deep ball. We saw him against IU last year where, you know, he, I think he threw under 30 passes, but he had 332 yards or something. Uh, And if he continues to get those deep balls to those receivers, he's going to have a big year. And then Saquon Barkley uh, is an unbelievable running back. Uh, and can do everything. And then you have the defense is breaking in some new guys, but uh, does return Marcus Allen at safety. Uh, and they're just well coached. They're out of the Sandusky sanctions, and they actually are fielding a full Big Ten roster uh, now. So that this game is going to, this season is going to come down to that game at, at Ohio State. Uh, they get Michigan at home, they play Pittsburgh at home. Their other non-conference games are Akron and Georgia State. Uh, They have to go to Northwestern uh, and then to Michigan State and to Maryland. So it's a very manageable schedule. Uh, They have some guys who who are back. uh, Just that that offense, especially with – you have a tight end, Mike Jasicki, who's an excellent receiver as well. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton and and Saeed Blacknall. Uh, give them three good weapons in the passing game for Trace McSorley to go to as well. And then um, Hoosier fans might be uh, familiar with Tommy Stevens, who was a one-time IU commit, decommitted, went to Penn State. He's a guy who can be used in some running situations uh, if Penn State wants to give a team a a different look. They did that last year against Iowa. Uh, He he played pretty well. He appeared in seven games, uh, threw three passes, and – he ran, he ran it, uh, ran it 21 times for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so he he could be a guy that you could throw into the offense and uh, make things happen on on defense. Uh, as I said, Marcus Allen's back. He was their leading tackler last year with 110 tackles. They do lose uh, linebacker Brandon Bell, but Jason Cabina is uh, Manny Bowen is back as well. Penn State, you're not really worried, ever worried about the defense there. They recruit well. It's linebacker you, and they're going to find somebody who wants to play defense and, and rush the passer. So I, I I would pick both of these teams to go 
to come down to that game at Ohio State on October 28th. Uh, that'll be the de facto Big Ten East championship. As long as none of the Ohio State or Penn State trips up at, at another game, but you don't, based on the schedule, you don't see that happening. Uh, so let's move on uh, to Michigan. It, it's the Big Three in yeah, the Big one, Ten East. One one quick word on those two, and I definitely agree to the top two, uh, and I don't think it's particularly close. Uh, but you'll notice when we're talking about their schedule. Uh, neither of them play Wisconsin, uh, which will factor in when we're talking about the West tomorrow, but I think also factors into um, – I I just think it really sets up nicely for both of them and West's both, uh, best squad. And I don't think – I don't think they'll avoid the bad result together because I do think they'll uh, perhaps see them in, in Indianapolis. But uh, it, it's very fortuitous for them, that, and perhaps for the Big Ten overall, if you're talking about an intriguing matchup, uh, you could avoid a, a rematch in the Big Ten title game, but those two not drawing Wisconsin in the cross-division games uh, is good for Wisconsin, and it's good for both of them as well and their playoff hopes. So, yep. yeah, so, we'll, we'll move on to Michigan, though. Yeah, well, uh, just quickly, Ohio State's crossover games are Illinois at home at Nebraska, and at Iowa. So it's not totally yep. easy at Nebraska and at Iowa are tough games. Illinois at home, it should be a win. And then uh, for Penn State, they have to go at Iowa, at Northwestern, and they get Nebraska at home. So Penn State's got a little bit harder of a task with their crossover games, but still those are games that, you know, you, you would think that Penn State has the firepower to win, uh, even on the road. So to Michigan, TJ, this is a team that has been in the headlines for a lot of nonsense stuff, uh, so to speak. Their trip to Italy, uh, the players want to go to, to London and Paris. It's been a lot of non-football things um, in terms of their publicity. But they're clearly third in the division. Uh, and Jim Harbaugh has, has done a nice job of taking Michigan from – you know, the Brady Hoke and uh, and uh, Rich Rodriguez eras and bringing them back to national relevance. Uh, but they're still stuck uh, behind Ohio State, and now it looks like Penn State has passed them as well. Uh, you know, what, what's your feel on Michigan? It, it's incredibly tough to evaluate this team. Uh, the defense last year was awesome. There's no doubt about that. Uh, they did fade a little bit at the end of the year as injuries kind of bit them. Um, but they lose 10 starters from that defensive unit. I mean, how do you how do you accurately evaluate what they're going to be when they lose so much uh, from that unit? I mean, there's no doubt that they've got a lot of talent uh, because they have recruited very well since Harbaugh stepped foot on campus. Um and, and their their roster is going to continue to improve, and I think that they probably are looking towards uh, next season as being one that you know could be a special one for them. But for 2017, I, mean, I, I think the defense will be, I think top probably at the start of the year, like a top 40 defense is probably a realistic expectation by the end of the season if they can stay healthy. 
I think you're probably looking at a top 15, top 20. I think they still have Don Brown, who is, I think he's as good a defensive coordinator as there is in the country. Uh, I love how aggressive the defense plays under him. Um, and Rashawn Gary, they've, they've recruited defensive tackle or defensive line as well as anybody in the country this side of Alabama. Uh, and so I'm interested to see how Rashawn Gary, who was the number one recruit a season ago, how he performs in his second year. His first year was, uh, you know, he was just behind a lot of guys that were older than he was. So he's won, uh, but they, they just have so much to replace there. Offensively, you bring back Wilton Spade. He performed quite a bit better than people realistically expected him to. So that's good. Uh, and another, you know, another Indiana, not IU, but the state of Indiana kid, Brandon Peters, is behind him if Wilton Spate were to uh, slip up. And I, I'm not sure how long Brandon Peters has to impress because of how well uh, Michigan's recruiting behind him with guys like Dylan McCaffrey and another blue chipper on the way after him. So uh, time ticking for anyone on that roster, but Chris Evans, Ben Davis kid, his book starting running back role. I really, you know, we, we texted about him a little bit. We both like his big playability. He's got breakaway speed that could change the game. Uh, they're really replacing their entire receiver core. Uh, it's unknown what, what they'll do at tight end. Tyrone Wheatley's kid, Tyrone Wheatley Jr. is the starter there. He's got a lot of talent. But, again, uh, it's just entirely unknown with the exception of Spate. Uh, Chris Evans, who we saw some of last year, and then a couple of offensive linemen, Mason Cole being the best of the group. Uh, he's an NFL draft pick after this season. But um, it's hard to evaluate them. I, I do know that their schedule is – it's it's tough. I mean, they've they've got uh, non-conference games against Florida, Cincinnati, Air Force. None of those are cakewalks divisions. And then they drew Minnesota, who will not be a cakewalk, but it's a game that they they should win. It's a rivalry game for them. They go to Wisconsin uh, November 18th, so they'll be a lot better by that time. But uh, still, that's a road game at Camp Randall. That's tough. And then of course all your division games, including at Penn State and against Ohio State. So uh, very, very tough. And for me, I know a lot of the preseason magazines are projecting them to go like 9-3, and 10-2. Uh, I know that uh, there's a couple of people that have predicted, projected them to be better than they were a season ago, and I, I think that's insanity. Uh, I think a good season for them would be eight wins. Uh, not a great season, but a good season for them, I think would be eight wins and build towards a really good 2018. Uh, I don't think they touch Ohio State or Penn State at the top of this division, though. Yeah, well, it brings up an odd question, because Jim Harbaugh is going into his third year, and your expectations is that Michigan should be competing for the top of the division and to go to the, the college football playoff. And it's how long do you let Jim Harbaugh, you know, before his shtick becomes tiring, how, how long do people give him before they're sick of him? Uh, and, and this team could lose four games. Florida at a neutral um, site, their defense is excellent. If they can find a quarterback to run that offense, they're a very, very tough opponent. Uh, Cincinnati, they, they should win an Air Force. 
running that triple option is a little tricky. But, you know, there are three or, three or four and almost five games where you could toss it up and say, you know what, Michigan could lose this. And if they don't get those, those uh, the bounces that they're used to uh, or a call here and there, um, you know, or, or just miss that veteran leadership that they've lost on defense and in the receiving core and at tight end. Yeah. This, I don't, eight and four, sure, it's a good season, but do you, as a Michigan fan, are you happy with it? Are you happy with nine and three and losing to Ohio State again? Um, especially at home, that'd be in Harbaugh's three years. If they lose to Ohio State this year, they've lost two out of three at home and they got spanked uh, at home his first year. Uh, so we'll see. But that, you know, at Wisconsin's tough, at Penn State is tough, um, and Ohio State is also, you know, tough as well at home. And then you have Florida. That's four games that, you know, you could call toss-up games uh, that they could very well lose as well. Uh, but Michigan, it is another team that you, you're right, TJ, we don't know that much about uh, in terms of uh, production on the field. They have recruited well. They got the nation's uh, top player uh, in wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, he'll slide right in uh, at at receiver. The Dylan McCaffrey, quarterback, the fourth best player uh, in the class last year. Uh, Cesar Ruiz, offensive lineman who was in for spring, was ranked by Phil Stigel as the number 12 prospect. Uh, there's a linebacker, Drew Singleton, who's number eight. The list goes on. This team is recruited very, very well. But how much patience does Michigan do Michigan fans have? Uh, for a team that, you know, has lost a lot of big games. They've lost it. You know, I know they beat Michigan state last year, but they've lost Michigan state. They've lost three in a row uh, against Ohio state. They lost at Iowa this year. It seems they lost orange bowl to Florida state. It seems like when the, when the lights are the brightest on this Michigan team right now, they're just not making the plays that they need to. Uh, and we'll see. Uh, next up we'll do, um, We'll do IU quickly, uh, TJ. Uh, just we're Hoosier Auto. We got to cover IU. Um, yep. Indiana, it's it's a weird year for the Hoosiers. Uh, you know, going through a coaching change, but coming back with the expectations that they have is unprecedented at IU. Uh, it's a team that many people project between five and seven wins. Uh, some sites in Vegas have them up at eight wins uh, and above, and it, it that's it's not shocking. I, I would not be shocked if IU won eight games. If they won nine games, I'd be shocked. But, you know, they have to go. Well, they, look, if you here's your eight wins, if you're talking about wins. You know, at Virginia, FIU, and Georgia Southern is three. Uh, you'd be, if you could beat Michigan State, Maryland, Illinois, Rutgers, and Purdue. That's not an overwhelming schedule in terms of talent, especially at the back end. When you end the season with three games of at Illinois, Rutgers, and at Purdue, and yep. your other non-conference Power Five game is against a two, uh, Virginia team who will be improved, but went two and ten last year. Uh, and if you could win those three non-conference games and somehow win five Big Ten games, it's not out of the question to win eight. If you win nine, that means you're knocking off of Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, or Wisconsin. But those other games uh, are there. And IU has the talent. Richard Lake goes back. 
Uh, he threw for 3,300 yards last year. We, we know he threw a lot of interceptions, uh, 19. He did throw 21 touchdowns, but he's under a new offensive coordinator uh, who's going to let him spread the ball a little bit more uh, underneath to tight ends and running backs and make his life a little bit easier. There are things that he needs to improve. He needs to improve his footwork. He needs to improve not staring down receivers. Uh, and his accuracy. But if you improve your footwork, it should improve your accuracy. The biggest concern on offense to me, TJ, is the offensive line uh, health and depth and running back health and depth. Um, we were texting earlier today about Camion Patrick. A lot of these national magazines haven't really said anything about Camion and, and we know why, because he hasn't played all that much. He played receiver last year, made a couple plays, but we don't know what we have in, in Camion. And then uh, the offensive line, the starters, I think it'll be a solid starting group, but if somebody goes down, they're going to have to make a patchwork offensive line, and that could be trouble for the running game. And if this offense doesn't have a running game, um, it's going to be trouble. But the defense is, is going to be uh, – uh, good, uh, maybe even great next year uh, with T. Gray Scales back, Richard Fant back, and all of those guys. Uh, so that's a, a quick view on Indiana. Let's move to Michigan State, um, and then we'll end up with Rutgers and uh, Maryland uh, real quickly. Michigan State, uh, TJ, went through a lot of offseason um, trouble uh, during the, the headlines for the wrong reasons. Uh, can they stake claim back into that top half of the Big Ten East? Uh, right now, I think that they are closer, much closer to Indiana and Maryland than they are uh, Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State. Um, I think that that, to me, any anyone claiming the contrary I think is strictly doing so based on recent history in Mark D'Antonio which is fine I understand if it's an inclination to do that uh, but I think the current rosters Michigan State is much much closer to Indiana and Maryland than they are the top three in the Big Ten East yeah, and a lot of that has I, to do with Harbaugh coming in and recruiting better at well, Michigan that and I, I also think that uh, Penn State's had an impact on that. Yep. I think Indiana's had somewhat of an impact on that. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how many guys we've got from Michigan State that Michigan State has, you know, wanted. But I think that there are a couple. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Jonah Morris is one of those. Um, but I, I, I just think that the – now, I'll, I'll anger some Michigan State fans here, but I don't think Michigan State can consistently be a top one or two program in the Big Ten or even the Big Ten East if Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State are, are right. If they're no, okay you, and they're and, right and, and they're under their – you're seeing that now is that you're going to have to take, right. if you want to keep up in recruiting with them, you're going to have to take chances on some people. And right now those chances are not That's, yep. working for Michigan state yep. and they've lost uh, probably their best young receiver, uh, a couple linemen, defense alignment and, and some other people that they don't, just don't have the depth now uh, to just no. plug and replace like they did a couple years ago. 
Malik McDowell was the last kind of top-end recruit, uh, for, and I'm talking particularly on their defense. He was kind of that last holdover of the Michigan State team that played in that game, that played any kind of significant role in that game, are now gone. Um, Demetrius Cooper, I think he might have seen the field a little bit, maybe. But beyond that, uh, those guys are gone. Uh, L.J. Scott did play somewhat of a role in that season. Um, And and he's, you know, talking about their, their roster this year. L.J. Scott is, uh, you know, he's, he's a good running back. He's he's good, not great, but he's he's a steady running back. Gerald Holmes should be better than he is, but uh, at this point he's a senior, and I think expecting more than what we've seen is probably a bit foolish. Uh, I really don't know what they do at receiver. Uh, it's it's not a pretty situation there with Donnie Corley uh, being gone. The uh, they're going to probably start – true freshman Hunter Risen, um, yeah. who's yep. son of Andre Risen, but it's very uncertain. And then you have the quarterback situation who Brian Lewerke... He, he's not a blue chipper. Hunter Risen oh. is not a blue chip recruit that is stepping in as a you know a five-star ready to contribute. He's not. No, he might, he's a nice... He might be better in his ranking. You know, yeah, he's, he's a nice four-star... He yeah. He's a nice four-star uh, recruit who <laughs> maybe needed a year to, to develop and, and fix some things, but he'll, he'll be thrown in and, and start. And I mean, he's talented. It's just not a fire. It's not um, Donovan people Jones out there um, running no. it. And then, uh, you know, it, it's the schedule doesn't set up that well for them. You're playing Bowling Green nope. in Western Michigan, Notre Dame. And then, I mean, you have a stretch of Notre Dame, Iowa, at Michigan, at Minnesota. And then they come to, to or IU goes up there uh, for the old brass platoon game on October 21st. It's just the schedule, the bye week comes in week three. It's very early. And they don't get any of those big hitters out, uh, out of the way in, in weeks one and two. So you're going. And they don't get Illinois. They don't get Purdue. Nope. They uh, get their crossover games are at Minnesota, at Northwestern, and Iowa. Those are outside of Wisconsin. Those are the three toughest teams uh, in, in the Big Ten West. And you're playing ten games in a row, where you know against those teams, you're going to get beat up, and they just don't have the depth. Now, if they can win right. four games going into the last two weeks, they do end with Maryland and at Rutgers. Uh, yep. So they should be able to get six, but you know that, I, they're playing with fire and things are going downhill fast at Michigan State. And I, I don't know if, with all the stuff going on, if D'Antonio has another bowlless season, if he'll if his seat is really going to warm up, um, if he'll still be there in uh, 2018. Uh, let's quickly but, go to Maryland before we head to Maryland, and we'll I'll. I'll go to Maryland here next. I do not think prediction or whatever, and I, I don't think it's outlandish at all, but um, I, I don't think that they go to a bowl game. I think they go five and seven. So um, we'll move on to Maryland. Uh, big question for them. Can they throw the ball? Uh, can anyone catch it? Because their passing game last season was abysmal. It should be oh, slightly better season. this year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Caleb Henderson likely going to start. He's a transfer from North Carolina. Um, 
we don't really know if he's any good just because he was at North Carolina. It doesn't really mean that he was, uh, that he's going to be a good Big Ten quarterback. But I do think from a strictly passing perspective, he's going to be better than Rowe or Perry Hills. Um, they do have a, a freshman that that they are very high on. Um, but uh, that's Kasim Hills, and he's from D.C., so it's a good local recruit, the guy that they can build around. But I don't they definitely don't want to play him this year. Um, I think that their offensive line can be solid. I think their running game is definitely still the best part of this team. Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison. I, I love their running backs. Oh, it's awesome. Ty Johnson is so good. Uh, reminds, reminds us me. both a lot of Kevin Coleman. Yes, they wear the same number as well as number six. Yep. Uh, Maryland yep. is an interesting team. They're talented, TJ, but their schedule is a lot tougher this year yep. where they got some easier wins last year early and squeaked out six. But this year's not they a conference. They didn't beat anybody. No, they didn't. They didn't beat anybody uh, at all. No. no. But this year's non-conference schedule, they open up at Texas. They play Towson and what, whatever is a um, – grandfathered in FCS game, and then they play UCF uh, at home. And UCF was much improved last year, and we'll see what they yep. do again in Scott Frost's second year. And then in, from the West, they're playing at Minnesota, which is tough, uh, Northwestern at home, and at Wisconsin. So, again, you have three yep. very tough games from the West. Uh, Indiana, they get Indiana at home. Uh, Rutgers are playing at Yankee Stadium. Uh and then they get Michigan, Penn State at home at Michigan State, which, you know, if we're going by your hot take last uh, segment, um, that could be a win for them. But it, it's hard to picture, even if they're a little bit better uh, and even if their recruiting is, is doing pretty well, it's hard to imagine them not taking a step back record-wise uh, in D.J. Durkin's second year. Uh, but I, I like Maryland. I I think they're in a, in a great recruiting area. I love their running backs, but this schedule is is tremendously daunting uh, to a team that needs – and their bye week is also in uh, week three, and they'll have to play ten straight yep. games. So not everything's going to work in Maryland's favor this year like it did last year. And then finally, Rutgers. I know Rutgers has been taken on the chin uh, from IU fans uh, and, and other sites as well. Uh, I like Rutgers' football program. I think their fans are – they're into it. They love being part of the Big Ten. Uh, going to the Rutgers games out there, they're always tailgating, uh, even if their their team stinks. Uh, and, and a game against Indiana where, you know, if that game's at Indiana and not a homecoming game, there's maybe 20,000 people in the stands and the parking lot's dead. So I want to credit Rutgers fans for, you know, making those trips enjoyable to New Jersey where you, you – from where we have to walk from the media parking lot to to the stadium, you walk through a lot of tailgates and everybody's happy to be in the Big Ten. But this team is still a year or two away from being real competitive, uh, even if they have Kyle Bowen starting at quarterback. Um, he's a transfer from Louisville. Uh, again, he, he was not going to beat out uh, Lamar Jackson, who we'll see play Purdue. Uh, in week one as well. Uh, but this team, it just, they get Janarian Grant back. They have some players. Janarian Grant's good. Robert Martin's a solid running back. But there's just not much depth uh, there. Uh, they do have some pieces, just not enough depth. Uh, their schedule, they, again, they're, 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 
these ADs at these programs scheduling crazy games. They're playing Washington to open it up on a Friday night. Uh, Eastern Michigan, that's a good game to schedule. And then they have another grandfathered in FCS game against Morgan State. But they have to travel to Nebraska. Um, they get a break with Illinois, uh, going to Illinois, and drawing Purdue. So their draws from the West are pretty uh, pretty favorable. Uh, but, again, it's your can they beat some of these Big Ten East teams who they haven't had really much success against uh, outside of that uh, two years ago uh, and beating IU in 2015. So Rutgers, it's going to be another two years. They're, they're in a great recruiting area. They could get those guys to stay home. Their stadium is nice enough. Their campus is nice enough. Uh, their atmosphere can be electric. If you've watched the Rutgers games when they were in the Big East playing Louisville or West Virginia or USF, uh, when those teams are ranked in the top five, that place was was electric, and now they just need to get their facilities straight and, and get some of these talents talent in, and and really give Chris Ash a little bit of time. Uh, but how much time is is Chris Ash going to get if he's if if you get shut out by Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State again? Uh, and I I don't know if they scored against uh, Penn State. Uh, let's see. No, they did. Nope. They got shut out by the Big Four. If you get shut out by the big four again, his clock is going to start ticking a little bit faster. So that's my take on Rutgers. TJ, let's go down, give our predictions for conference or division finishes. Go ahead. Uh, seven, Rutgers. Six, Michigan State. Five, Maryland. Four, Indiana. Three, Michigan. Two, Penn State. One, Ohio State. And I do think the Buckeyes end up in the college football playoff. Uh, I don't think they'll be number one heading into it, um, but I do think that they will be in the college football playoff as one of the top four teams in the country. Uh, I just I, I have a lot of respect for the coaching staff that Urban Meyer has assembled, the level of recruiting he has, and uh, it's hard to argue with J.T. Barrett's win-loss record as a starter. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go reverse order uh, from top to bottom. I, I like Ohio State first. They have the most talent. They have the best coach. Uh, they add in Kevin Wilson, who I'm still not sold on on what he's gonna do for the Ohio State offense. I think it'll change it a little bit. But JT Barrett just put a scare into me last year. If I'm an Ohio State fan, yep. he just didn't look right, uh, especially after the IU game. You know when it, he averaged about six yards per completion. And if you're going to throw the ball that short all the time, your completion percentage should be in the seventies, not in the low sixties. Uh, so Ohio state one, Penn state two, it's going to come down to that game at Ohio state in October. Yeah. Uh, that that'll be a, a game to watch set your DVRs for that one. Three uh, Michigan. Again, I, I just don't think they have enough to get over those two. Uh, they'll either have to beat Penn State at Penn State or beat Ohio State at home. I don't think both of those happen. Maybe one of them happens. Uh, I'm going to go Indiana fourth. Their schedule is manageable, uh, even though some people don't think it is. Um, I, there's a lot of talent there. They have arguably the best receiving core in the conference. Uh, Richard Lego should be able to figure out um, his accuracy issues. And then if they could get a run game going, this team should take off. Uh, five, 
I'm going to go with Michigan State. Uh, I'm not totally off the boat like you are uh, with them, uh, but I don't see them climbing over Indiana unless uh, Michigan State beats Indiana and there's a tiebreaker issue. But I I just don't think they get more than six or seven wins and then Maryland and and Rutgers rounded out. Uh, It's a tough division, TJ, and it it begs for – let this thing ride out and maybe over time it, it evens out or does commissioner Delaney look at this and say, look, you've got three legitimate top 10 teams in the East and the West has some good teams, Wisconsin, Northwestern and, and Nebraska and Minnesota and Iowa are, are solid, but they're those middle of the middle tier or second tier big 10 teams, even Wisconsin, who's been, you know, good to great over the last, 15, 20 years in the Big Ten, that's the class of the West. And, I mean, they just don't hold a candle to to those teams right now. Uh, so we'll see if they talk about conference realignment and, and balance of power, things like that. Or do you let them let it play out and see if it happens? Yeah, that would help too. But that does it for today's podcast. TJ, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Looking forward to previewing the West. Yep. The West is tomorrow, seven o'clock. Tune in. All right. That does it for our big 10 East uh, preview podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, Like our uh, page on Facebook. We are also now have our own channel on Apple news. So if you are are an Apple user, uh, click on the news app, Search Hoosier Huddle, uh, subscribe, and you'll get all our latest news on IU football. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Have a pleasant evening, and we will talk Big Ten West football tomorrow. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. 
Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.